Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to the Coffee Clash. The Coffee Clash and Special Needs Talk Radio Network feature outstanding programming for the special needs community. Our team of hosts provide educational interviews. Our shows are not designed to provide listeners with specific or personal medical, legal, or professional service or advice. Parents of children with health issues should always consult their health care provider for medical advice, medications, or treatment. Any show discussing rights and law for special needs children and special education are presented as general information and not legal advice. Special Needs Coffee Clash Limited does not promote any host or guest individual practice, programs, treatments, or products. We thank you for joining us and are proud to provide excellence in broadcasting for the special needs community. And now, on to the interview. Good evening. My name is Dr. Richard Selznick, and I welcome you to School Struggles. I'm proud to be a part of the Coffee Clutch team. And on School Struggles, we talk about a range of topics, including learning disabilities, special education, ADHD, and a whole host of other interesting topics that affect your child. By way of introduction, I'm a child psychologist and the director of the Cooper Learning Center, which is a part of the Department of Pediatrics, Cooper University Healthcare. We're located in Voorhees, New Jersey, which is outside South Jersey, outside of the Philadelphia area. I am the author of The Shutdown Learner, Helping Your Academically Discouraged Child. That was my first book. Then follow-up to that was School Struggles. And my last book was Dyslexia Screening, Essential Concepts for Schools and Parents. These books are all available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. And you can learn about the books and my stuff at www.shutdownlearner. That's one word, shutdownlearner.com. And that site's loaded with a lot of blogs and lots of free information for parents. And you can follow me on Twitter at, at Dr. Sells, D-R-S-E-L-Z, um, and on Facebook under Shutdown Learner. Um, it's the goal of this show that we talk in kind of down-to-earth, plain language for parents and educators. Um, we try to have these what I call living room chats. So I'm excited to, to, tonight to have two guests, um, Lorna and Phil Wooldridge, and um, they are a married couple, and they're happily married, they've told me too, right? Right. 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 <laughs> And Lorna has a Bachelor of Education degree from Bath College of Higher Education in England. Did, did the wife of Bath go there, Lorna? Is that where the wife, the, from Chaucer, the wife of Bath? Did she go to I, Bath College back in the no, 500s I, or whenever that was? No. I don't think it's that old, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> and she holds a certificate of professional practice from hmm, Roehampton. Is that how we pronounce it? That's correct. Oh, good. Right. That really tested my decoding skills there. Roehampton Institute in London. Um, and Lorna is certified by the Dyslexia Training Institute, a great group located in San Diego, California, and is experienced in implementing the Orton-Gillingham approach to teaching. And Lorna has completed the DTI, Dyslexia Advocacy Certification Course, and the Orton-Gillingham Online Academy Basic Language Course. 
She's a level one certified handwriting specialist. I could use your services, Lorna, with Handwriting Without Tears, and it's listed as a tutor throughout Handwriting Without Tears and the Learning Ally Reader Network. Lorna has a unique perspective on this condition as she is dyslexic herself. Now, Phil comes at it from a different angle. Phil has a master's degree in engineering and brings 25 years of experience as a consultant, team leader, and homeschool science teacher. Phil's tutoring for dyslexic students is based on the Barton reading and spelling system, and he also uses structured word inquiry with his students to improve their spelling and comprehension. Phil is currently completing Level 1 certification with Handwriting Without Tears and is enrolled in the January 2016 Professional Executive Functioning Training with Mary D. Schuyler. So welcome, you two. You must have a lot to talk about at dinner with all the, you know, Handwriting Without Tears and lots of these programs that you can share together. Thank you very much, Richard. And your website, I just want to give a a front end plug, and we'll, we'll talk later at the end of the interview with how to reach you. So, if you, their website is called www.freeunionschoolhouse.com. That's free, F R E E, unionschoolhouse.com. It's all one word. So, welcome again to the show. The topic today is basically we're, we're focusing in on homeschooling. Um, and things that parents can be thinking about relative to their struggling child at home. But also we're going to broaden it out a little bit toward um, a topic that I've also been very interested in over the years, and that's the rural child, the child who's not around the urban areas or uh, a suburban area where there's all, ki- you know, all kinds of professionals and uh, services that may be available to them. So yeah. those are the, that's a topic. So Either of you can dive in and talk about your background a little bit and what brought you to homeschooling and and how you kind of do your do your thing. Okay, um, Richard, I have a background obviously in education, as you've already described, um, and obviously my experiences with dyslexia are very personal. Um, and I struggled to learn to read and didn't really start the reading process with any kind of fluency until I was actually about 10 years old. Um, it was very hard, and without my, mother's, uh, my mother teaching me um, the best she knew how, I'm not sure when the process would have actually, have actually got going. Um, as a young teacher, I was offered the opportunity to take a two-year part-time course at the Roehampton Institute in London that you already mentioned in the late 1980s to learn um, an approach that would help my struggling readers at that time. Um, that was the first time I was actually exposed to the word dyslexia, um, okay. and I realized that my own learning struggles were a result of that dyslexia. Um, I was mentored uh, by a lady called Jean Auger, who at the time was the education director for the British Dyslexia Association, Um, and her mentor was Kathleen Hickey, um, who actually developed the Hickey Method after meeting with Anna Gillingham in the USA. Um, So kind of after leaving teaching to have our son and moving to the US a little later, um, I just really didn't think I would have a need for this training anymore. However, when I started to homeschool our son in in his third grade year, um, I came across many parents 
who would come into homeschooling as a result of their children's learning difficulties. Um, and many of these students were struggling with dyslexia. Um, when they found out what my training was in, they started to turn to me for help and advice. Um, and actually, when I started tutoring a number of years ago, uh, a number of my students came from this, this community, this homeschooling community. So I think I'd like Phil to just kind of explain his background a little bit, if that's okay with you. Yeah, absolutely, sure. Well, I, I, I guess I should start with how we came to homeschool our son. Um, we were involved with the setting up of a, a charter school, and we were very interested to see that happen, and then the idea was that Jack would go and study there. Um, can, I, can I interrupt you for a second? Sure. Does the, did the charter school concept have, as many of them do, I believe, a kind of underneath uh, theory to it or a theme that, to the charter school? Yes, yeah, it was a very much an environmental bent, uh, experiential outdoor learning was, was what they were aiming to achieve. Mm -hmm. And it sounded very exciting and, and went to a lot of meetings. Uh, around the same time, back when our son started grade three, um, school changed from uh, being a much more experiential experience to one of sitting down and doing a lot of word worksheets, and he was frustrated and bored. So Lorna decided so he, to homeschool him just temporarily until the charter school opened. Yeah. But so by he, the he started. He, I'm sorry. I, I'm into, I, I apologize yeah, for interrupting. But he got he got what I call very early on WBD worksheet burnout disorder. Did he? <laughs> yes. 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 And, yeah. and you know, Lorna had the background. She figured she could fill in for him until the charter school opened. Um, and when it did open, which was only about six yeah. months or so, it was a year after, um, they were having so much fun they didn't want to change that. So he stayed at stayed at home being schooled. And so he's my your, he's, Phil, he's your only child? He, he's, he's your, your only, only child. child, yeah. Okay. Um, so my experience with homeschool and teaching came from helping him. I took on more of the science and math mm -hmm. roles. Mm -hmm. And uh, we would often get groups of kids together to study a you know, particular concept, and I would lead some of those. So that was, that was my introduction. I was already working as an engineer, um, but I, I always enjoyed teaching. I was a, a Cub Scout leader in England for a while. So um, when Jack pretty much finished school and went off to community college, and Lorna was bouncing all her uh, concepts off me from the dyslexia training she was taking at the time, and I started to pick up on quite a lot of this. And then I went to hear Susan Barton speak. Mm -hmm. uh, it was organized by... Um, De decoding dyslexia, and I realized that would give me a structure that I could work with if I was going to work alongside Lorna. So that's how I came into it. Since then, I've done a whole lot of other training and uh, expanded my repertoire, and uh, it's become a, a team effort. So Lorna's yeah, definitely great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's great. It sounds, it sounds, it sounds uh, it's an interesting journey. Was it a hard, was it a hard decision? It sounds like you were certainly you know, heading in that direction when Jack was eight years old, but was it a, did you agonize, was there an agonizing aspect to it between the two of you, you know, feeling no, like, okay, is this the right thing, no, not the right thing? No, it was just a, a natural progression at the time. We didn't think about it that hard. It just seemed to work. Lorna had the skills. We, you know, we knew that because right. as a teacher, she knew she could take this on. 
Um, I've always and worried. That's often well, we'll, we'll get into it. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. yeah. Well, we'll talk um, more about that if you like. Yeah. What do you? What? 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 Either one of you can answer this. What are the? I have worked with many homeschoolers over the years in terms of assessing them. Um, I've you know many many kids, and and even recently I've evaluated a number of homeschoolers. But I tend to find them falling into different three or four different categories. Either of you, Lorna, what are the major categories that you see in terms of what, you know, I heard your, what led you to homeschool Jack, but what do you see as the major categories um, as I to why they do it? Yeah, um, as you say, there are a number of different reasons. Um, I think probably the biggest reason for many people is obviously the religious one. Um, that wasn't the case for us, but um, you know, that is a big reason for lots of people. But I think another big reason is also um, the difficulties that children experience and when they start to struggle um, in a schooling situation that, um, you know, homeschooling um, offers them um, an opportunity to kind of break from that constant feeling of failure that they may be experiencing in a school situation with a lot of pressure. Um, so. Those are kind of, I think, those are probably the two biggest groups. Um, obviously, um, we kind of touched upon, uh, you know, our reason for homeschooling our son, which is a little different. Um, and I, I, I think, I mean, obviously, there may be other, diff there may be other reasons. Um, you may have experiencing some yourself with people coming to you, Richard. But I say that those were probably the three major areas. Yeah, I would say those are the three major areas. I mean, I think that it's a subcategory of possibly yours where it's like a, a kind of progressive education mindset, I think. But I think that's more like what you're saying, your your feelings were relative to Jack, that you could you could offer him a more enriching, progressive type of experience, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I do know a lot of people um, uh, follow a kind of more of an unschooling approach, um, you right. know, I can't really speak to that because our our schooling, um, our homeschooling experience was pretty pretty structured. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that, that unschooling. Yeah, that, that there's a whole movement of that, isn't there? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, what do you see? You've already touched on some of them, but let's go through some of what you see as the the major benefits, you know, and then the the liabilities, potential as you see it, as either of you can chime in, obviously. So the major benefits and major liabilities that you see with homeschooling. And then we'll also at some point broaden out to the rural child who may or may not be homeschooled. Okay, I'll, I'll kick this off and Lorna will nudge me if she's got something that she wants to say. <laughs> I'm sure she'll um, nudge you. I'm sure she's going to nudge you. Yeah. Major benefits, particularly for, for children with um, learning difficulties, is being out of that very high-pressure school situation with a constant reminder that they're not keeping up with their peers, um, which I think in the, your, your book, The Shutdown Learner, Learner, touches upon. They, they sometimes respond to that by just cutting out all interest in everything. So... Um, yeah, you know, that's a, that's a very much a benefit. You can take away that pressure. You can also um, create a much more hands-on experiential school ex school environment. Um, lots of field trips, um, chances to explore their strengths, whether they be in you know art or poetry or acting, um, as, as they work alongside those core areas. 
the one that's pointing things at me. It allows them to process <laughs> and work at their own speed. That is an advantage. Um. Lorna, feel free to chime in. Yeah, Lorna yeah. should chime in. Okay. You're doing a wonderful job, Phil. You're doing a wonderful job, but Lorna, feel free to chime in. <laughs> Um, I would also say it kind of gives them the opportunity to discover how they actually learn best. Um, so it's that metacognition uh, kind of thing. It, it, you know, they can discover how they learn, and they will have time to do that. Um, and also that they can have more input into what they learn as well. Um, our son um, was very interested in music and art and writing. So he probably spent more of his time doing those things than the other subject areas that he wasn't so keen on, although obviously we made sure that he did cover those. So, so I'm going to challenge a little bit in the sense that I, as I am an only child, <laughs> um, I was also an only grandchild. I still have not met any, an, an yeah, adult-only yeah. grandchild, but that's be so, so I know the dynamics. Um, I, I'm just going to – it's a devil's advocate type of question because I, I think I all of the points that you're making are wonderful. You know, to re remove the pressure, um, create a – you know, discover how – you know, their own interests and hands-on learning. Part of me worries because I think that there's a hidden agenda to school, and I don't mean this in a negative way, that the underneath agenda to school is not learning, is, is getting along with others and, and, you know, learning to not be the center of attention. And, you know, certainly as – I'm speaking for myself as – as an only child, we <laughs> like attention. We want to be the center of attention, you know. Mm -hmm. um, do you think that there's a downside with homeschooling, and, and how do you address that so the child doesn't develop, you know, it's me first and me only kind of mentality? Well, I think, at least in our experience, homeschooling is not just a solo exercise. Yes, there are times that it's appropriate just to work at home, but very often we were meeting with other groups. We would do joint projects. It opened up opportunities to do much more. Uh, in-depth things. So socialization is very much a part of it. The other interesting side of homeschooling is you're often socializing across grade levels. So instead of this only right. being with your peer group that are currently into getting the right sneakers and things like that, um, suddenly you're working with kids from, from 3 to 16, and right. uh, you have to learn to interact across an age range, and, and that's something that we also need in life. Uh, that's great points. I think you, uh, we, we certainly are going to move into some some tips and recommendations for people. But would you, either of you, Phil, you you brought you, you mentioned that, and either of you, would you feel that that it strikes me that that is a top tip where, you know, make to the extent that you can, and if you're able to, depending upon the community that you're in, to have a community to have the child connected as much as possible within. A community so that they don't feel so that so they can you know be having a social experience as well as practicing those social skills that are effectively practiced in school. Would you agree that that's a pretty top? I, I would. I would. In fact, I got to say when when our son got to high school, once he was getting up towards fourteen, fifteen, it got harder. A lot of the people he had previously associated with had gone back into high school, as their parents had felt that that was more appropriate at the time or because they'd wanted to do it. So, yeah, it is. Sometimes you have to work hard at it, mm. and sometimes it meant an hour-long journey to, to hook up with somebody. Did Jack go the whole way through? 
Was he homeschooled? He did, all the way till he went off to community college. And how was his adjustment into community college? Actually, it went it went very well. He was he was a little nervous because he was part time there at fifteen, sixteen, and and a lot of the other people he was started at eighteen and up. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, he fit, but he was he used fit to. in really well. Mm-hmm. I've got to say, I it's funny as a as a parent, you know, all the things that you tell your child that are ignored. Uh, he would come back, and there'd be some 45-year-old guy in the class who seemed probably more life than I have that would give him tips and tell him what to do, and he'd come back and tell us this. So, it, that is it, that so interesting. That is, that is so interesting, and I could see how, with with what you described a few minutes ago, Phil, where, you know, I think that that does sound like an interesting ad- advantage where, you know, kids are interacting with various ages so that the older ones can learn to interact with an eight-year-old and the eight-year-olds are interacting with 12 and 15-year-olds. And, and, you know, there are adjustments that have to be made. And to, to So here he goes off to community college and he's interacting with a 45-year-old. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and for Jack being an only child, that was, that was a great experience for him. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> that was where we lost him. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, other advantages that you see, Lorna, anything you want to add to what what Phil had to say? I I think I think we more or less um I I think we covered everything mm-hmm. that I had kind of I kind right. of thought of. So, yeah, really I I think those are the the role advantages. Um, yeah, and I touched on the liability side and you answered that, but what are there other potential liabilities. I mean, it's, uh, it seems to me that, uh, you know, that, again, so much is dependent upon the community that one is in and mm. what may be around you. But it, it strikes me that potentially a family could become a little too insular and not know, you know, like, I don't know, necessarily even the reading norms or the, you know, they might they might be a little too self-enclosed, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, no, no, I do. I, you know, I, I, I think because you know, generally there aren't necessarily any deadlines um, in mm-hmm. homeschooling. Yeah. Um. So often I see with my students. Sometimes I feel that sometimes progress is slower than I would like. Um. And the children themselves aren't ne- you know necessarily aware of where their peers in a classroom setting would be which can be both good, but it also can be bad as well. Um, for instance, I, I had one student just recently um, that feels he, he doesn't need me anymore, and yet he's a number of grade levels behind um, because right. he's, ac- he's actually accessed the, the help of Learning Ally, and you know I've started him on the reading process, but he no longer, because he's made progress, but he doesn't actually realize where he is in terms of grade level. He feels he's made enough, so he doesn't need me anymore. Right. Um, And he doesn't know relative to the the norm is is the level where his peers would be. Yeah, he doesn't have that sense of norm. But fortunately, his mom doesn't agree with him. (laughs) Right, right. What what about the concept of staying on this side of the equation where – you know, Phil had mentioned about removing. Uh, I certainly, I you know, as you said, Phil, I do mention that in Shutdown Learner, and it's interesting that Barnes and Noble put Shutdown Learner on the homeschooling section of the when it, when the book first came out, which I was really curious. I didn't even mention homeschooling, but I thought I was kind of curious. But what about the idea that um, 
you know, removing him from pre- a per- not, and moving away from Jack, you know, to other kids. Well, how do how do you see you know, you're removing them from pressure, but does it give them a, enough opportunity to, you know, practice dealing with pressure? Do you, how do you feel about that? Oh, that's a that's a difficult question. Um, a politician would answer a different question here. Um, which is kind of where I'm tempted to go. And, and, well, just and what do you say, see? What you see with the other kids? You know, do they are they able to get back in and deal with pressure? You know, on average. I mean, obviously each individual child is well, you know. Well, I, I would think the answer is is yes. I can't say I've got a lot of personal experience, but I do know that a lot of universities and colleges like homeschooled children because of the way they think and the way they uh, respond to problems differently to those that have come through grade school. Uh, I've heard that anecdotally. I've not seen anything yeah. in the evidence. Yeah. Um, so I think that that's there. I think the other side of it, the other question I was going to answer that you didn't ask, was on the risk side of taking your child out of school. Um, you know, the risk of leaving your child in school is that they're not going to succeed in that environment. The risk of bringing them out at home is now it's your fault if they don't succeed. Right. So that's um, that's a challenge for the parents. And how do they create that pressure? And, and yeah, you know, yeah. we don't have control over that. Everybody is different. Um, yeah, I no, I, ha- I had is- a homeschooling mom, mm. uh, bouncing off of what you just said, I had a homeschooling mm-hmm. mom come in not too long ago who was really questioning um, her delivery of, ser- of core reading, spelling, writing services, you know, effectively, she, you know, because she was seeing that, he, that the child is struggling still very much and she was mm-hmm. thought she was kind of on the money with with his development and, and in some ways it's what Lorna just said too about you know a self-enclosed norm you know that, you, that you're not as maybe not as attuned to yeah yeah and I suppose that's you know one of the reasons that parents bring their children to us is uh, as well as offering some specialist services uh, we're also offering a little extra pressure we're, we're outside of their home environment where they're very comfortable yeah. with just saying no or I'll leave it till tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. No, it seems like, you know, that, the, right, you, so, you, so you're, right, so you're in your uh, program and your, at your facility, you're, you know, you, there's a little more accountability than just at home. Yeah, yes, I agree. You know, they, I mean, they need to show that they did their homework that you asked them to do, you know, or, yeah, what, you know, some that homework and um, you know so we are establishing some structure um, you know so even for for students that are unschooled we are um, you know asking and and, you know providing structure and asking for them to you know to to meet certain certain deadlines you know before they come back and see us again Um, they have to do certain things Um, because obviously with Orton Gillingham you know, practice and review are extremely important. So we ask the parents to work on certain things with them at home as well. So, what are some of the top top strategies, top tips for, for now? We can broaden it out too for homeschooling parents, for a parent. I had a mom call me a while back from some really rural area in South Carolina, and she had nothing around her. You know, that kind of you know uh, parent with a struggling child, a kid with, whether it's dyslexia or just kind of, you know, garden variety learning disabilities, what's, what's some of the tips that you might advise for parents? Right. Um, I would, um, for, for a parent that actually is going to, to um, tutor to work with their own child um, who hasn't had any previous um, 
training or experience. Um, you know, a, a program like the Barton Reading and Spelling System is certainly an option, um, which is obviously a scripted program. Um, and we've used that within our tutoring practice as well. Okay. Um, I've also pointed parents to the Orton Gillingham Online Academy, um, and they can obtain the training themselves through um, through the Online Academy. Um, they offer a self-paced course, um, so and it's very reasonably priced, um, and includes all you need to teach the Orton Gillingham Level One, which is where sure. most most mm -hmm. students, you know, most parents find that they need to to start with their students. Um, the Dyslexia Training Institute also offers an online Orton Gillingham training at certain times of the year. Um, so that's other, and that's another option which is online too. Um, so those are, are certainly three kind of options. There are other so, programs out there. Yes. So basically, what you're saying is you're encouraging parents, especially if the child has core reading, spelling, writing problems, to to get themselves a little more trained before they proceed ahead. Yeah, I mean, and, and if if they're not um, if they if they if they're not willing to take on like a, a training program like the two I've just described, um, they can use a scripted program like Barton's Reading and Spelling System. So they could kind of jump straight in with something like that. Um, now, uh, interesting. One of my students who was attending a private school. Um, she actually used the Vertice program. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Vertice program. No. How, how would you spell that? That's V-E-R-T-I-C-Y. Okay. Vertice. Vertice. Um, okay. And and she used that alongside her regular school program because she was in a in a Catholic school, um, mm -hmm. and that's specifically designed for dyslexic students. Um, and it's not just the core subjects; they will cover all of the subjects. So this, that could be an option for somebody that was homeschooling that didn't feel comfortable, um, you know, teaching the subjects themselves but was there to kind of like monitor it. Um, sure. Are there other online – I know that there are many of them, but have you seen some that other ones that are, that are, that are really good in terms of subject matter? And, and you, know, the, be, you know, not everyone is an engineer or has a math training, for yeah. example. Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, those are the okay. ones I've had experience of. Um, uh -huh. I mean, there's things obviously like Wilson and Slingerland. I don't, I don't have any direct experience. I, a right. little bit. I've, ha I've had, I have some of the Wilson, um, pro, you know, uh, books right. and things like use those kind of materials. Um, but I'm not trained in Wilson. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I imagine it's probably si a, pretty similar to to a lot of what I, I'm already trained in. Um, but a number of places are also, this is another option, a number of places are now offering online tutoring. Um, we don't do that ourselves, um, but that is another option that's out there for parents too. Um, and I believe that Barton Tutors are now able to offer online tutoring. So, you know, that is an option, yep. but it requires, you know, personally I feel it really requires the parent to be very, very involved. Yeah, it's a big commitment. <laughs> it's yeah. a big commitment. It yeah. really is. Well, I think what the, about yeah, the parent also has yeah. to be present and following yeah. up because, you, you know, I guess whoever's doing the tutoring can't really see what else is going on. They might be playing Pokemon while they're uh, yeah. supposed to be watching. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, what are some tips that are that I know you guys offer or, you know, you have 
tips on, on the tone of tutoring and how the parent interacts with the child and playing games, things like that. Are there, besides beside the big training piece, which I think is very valuable to remind people about those things that are out there like Barton and Wilson and other things, but what about on a smaller level, you know, where, you know, certain games that you can play with your child, the things that you can do to kind of keep it lively, interested, you know, and, you know, kind of connected? Yeah, um, yet there's, I'm, I'm just uh, going over sort of things in my head here, Richard, and um, I'm thinking of, I don't know whether you're familiar with Dr. Erica Warren's materials, are you? No, that's okay. okay. But let's we'll describe yeah. it, like this, what kind of games would my, my people play with their child? You know, like, you know, I know you guys offer some games and things and, and that, that are part of your program. What, what are some that you might recommend parents do with their child? Okay, so the, the the games that we have produced are kind of based on the like the concentration game, um, uh-huh. but we've kind of like updated it a little bit, um, and the card games that we've developed uh, with our son using his artistic skills um, work on that same. They work on concentration, and um, it's a it's a memory game, obviously. So um, it's. Uh, you know, you lay out a grid and, you know, you have to remember where the cards are in the grid and things like that. So we found that very helpful for our students and we've also found it very helpful because we run um, educational workshops as well. So we found it helpful, um, you know, is it, it helps reinforce some of the things that we've been teaching in our, in our workshops in a fun manner. Yeah, um, sure. And for many students that are hooked into the electronics a lot of the time, this for them, this has been like something quite new, um, and I always try and include some kind of little game uh, in each of our sessions, um, and and the children kind of respond to that. You know, even if it's like I'll have a yes/no for like, is this a closed syllable? And I give them cards, yeah. and they have to kind of sort them, and it, it just it reinforces what I'm trying to teach, but it's in a more light-hearted kind of fun yeah, way. Yeah, sure. No, I would think that that's absolutely essential. I mean, one of the things that I would be concerned about because I do because I do experience it with parents where there's there's sort of friction and tension. In the, now, I'm not talking about homeschoolers right now. I'm talking about just in general, where yeah. you know the homework and there's arguing, and you know, so keeping mm. it light and keeping it fun and lively would seem mm. to me to be so essential here. Not that it has to be fun all the time, obviously, but just enough, you know, kind of fun so the kid can buy in. And I think any any kind of experiential uh, game or trips, you know, going out to somehow reinforce the concepts that you're studying. Sure. It, it, it's good. It all helps, um, but you're trying to build working memory. You're trying to build some of that kinesthetic memory through the games. And uh, and as I say, if you can go out and experience something or see how this is used, because that's another motivation is a struggle. Um, yeah. You know, if if, if um, children can see how something can be applied, they're much more likely to spend some time overcoming the difficulties with it. I'm also thinking about the, the uh, you know, as you're talking, moving it away a little bit from the dyslexia, although it's related, um, the, the comprehension and vocabulary writing side of life, that it would seem to me that there are lots of opportunities for developing those skills. 
Are you are you meaning by going out on field trips kind of thing, Richard? Well, yeah, field mean- trips or just, you know, I mean, so much of comprehension is based on acquired information, acquired mm-hmm. knowledge and, and schema schema development that that, yeah. you know, it, you know, it would seem to me that you have tremendous opportunities for developing the, that schema as well as which then leads to good comprehension and a more well-rounded yeah. individual as well as uh, you know, I think vocabulary is, is a cornerstone skill of comprehension and of communication. Absolutely. Yes, yes, it is, and, and it's that's a challenge because most of what we uh, use, most of the vocabulary we use verbally, is, is much more limited than what we acquire through reading. So, definitely would encourage things like learning ally or getting audio books to build vocabulary, because right. they're generally just written. Even the you know the kindergarten level books are written at such a, a much higher level than kindergarten yeah, children are using. Sure. It's all, um, book, books are great. I guess the, when people write books, they take the time to pick the right words and to pick different words. Right, so it's, 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 uh, it's right, yeah. using books to enrich, you know, and just yeah. broaden the experience. And, and, how, and how so about the rural... Yeah, yeah how, about, how about the rural child? I mean, I know we're touching on it a little bit, but it does seem to me that there is a unique aspect to this. That you know, I'm thinking of that of a mom, you know, out there with no professionals, no you know, Lorna or or Phil in their neighborhood, or no psychologist to evaluate. How do, what, what's, what advice might you give that mom? I mean, obviously. I kind of touched upon some of those those things with you know the opportunities they can go online to get those yeah. kind of that 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 kind of training um, and you know certainly there are books that they can delve into for additional you know ideas and help. Um, I, I think if it's a, if we're talking about a child here with dyslexia, they're going to have to get some kind of structured program to to actually help the child. But in terms of working on the strengths. Um, you know, uh, you know, using your environment wherever you are. Um, you know, we live in an old one-room schoolhouse, and that was one of the first projects that we we took on for Jack to learn about the history of his of his home, um, yeah. to get to know others in his community that came here when it was a one-room schoolhouse. Um, and, and that's you what know. you teach as well, right? That's where we teach. Yep, well. the, yeah, I think it's so cool. I just think up. it's so cool. You guys, you, you, Lauren, when I first spoke with you about a month ago or so, you showed me the picture of that online. It's not, it looks so cool, folks. That anybody listening, this is effectively a one, you know, one room schoolhouse that they live in and teach in. So it's yeah. just so great. It's really yeah, it's so it's cool. Eighteen eighteen thirty five. So wow. and it closed in nineteen forty five. But I like to think that it's still very much used today. I mean, we had many homeschoolers here, and now we have homeschoolers here because, and, and other students, uh, whether they be in public, private school situations, all come in here to, to learn. So the learning goes on. Even if it is a little warmer and there's inside bathrooms these days. <laughs> Yeah, well, in, in England, English terms, uh, it's a modern, it's a modern building for you yeah, Yes, of course. <laughs> it's a relatively modern building. But I, I um, just coming back to touch on what Lorna was saying, that there are opportunities everywhere. You know, people yeah. say to us living out here, well, you know, you can't get into New York City and see all the shows that I like to see. But there's, there's so much that's in every sure. area, wherever you are. You just have to learn to look sure. for it. 
It will learn to look for it and dig deep. I mean, even the state of New Jersey is, is rich with history. It's unbelievable oh, how much history is around here. Um, winding down a little bit, I have a few minutes left. Are there top – I want to have you guys talk just a little bit about uh, – further about, you know, how people can reach you, about the kind of programs you offer, um, and maybe if there's a website – well, your website, but also is there a homeschooling website that you think is a great resource for parents that you might recommend? I don't know. So, that, so this, we have to wind down in a few minutes, but just, you know, give sure. us a little sense of, of those things. Well, Richard, I actually um, have uh, um, we have a kind of like a page uh, for homeschoolers, so we still post information about activities and events, so people okay. can contact me directly. Um, do you want me to give my yes. email or? Sure. Yeah. So if you my, want to, it's, it's your yeah your call. Yeah, or they can they can get that easily through our website, which is www.freeunionschoolhouse.com. I think you already kind of spelt that out, didn't you? I yeah. think so. Yeah, um, freeunionschoolhouse.com. Um, so they can get in contact with me there. All the information is there. And if yeah, I'm looking want, at it right now as we speak. I'm looking very mm -hmm. nice. Yeah, there you yeah, are. Yeah, and, and we have a bulletin page, and we advertise events, and people can share that information with me as well. Um, so I kind of created a one-stop kind of shop <laughs> so that people yep. uh, could could get in contact with me. We actually have a homeschool group um, that meets um, in our community center next door to our house. Um, so they can find out information about that on that bulletin page too. Um, so because I, re as you say, this is a rural area and we like to be able to connect people together. Um, and you know when there's services for them, I like to be able to advertise that. But re yeah. regarding the sort of more general, that, that's um, you probably want to look to people like Learning Ally to see what's in your area. Um, uh, there's a there's a group which you mentioned earlier, Decoding Dyslexia. Decoding Dyslexia started here in New Jersey and mm -hmm. is now, yeah. I think, in most states across the U.S. If you search for that, find your local yep. contact. They have, I know they're, they're primarily school-focused, but they're bound to have contacts. Yeah. I know some of the, some of the founding members were, came out of, a couple, one or two came out of our office, actually, So uh, in terms of their parents of dyslexic children. So very familiar with the group, the great group. Um, is, there a home, is there one a home beside you guys in the, in the freeunionschoolhouse.com? Is there a, a kind of like homeschoolersnetwork.com or something like that? Any kind of website? <laughs> there, there probably is. We, we found just don't know. It. Okay. We okay. found most of them were quite religious-based, so that uh -huh. wasn't necessarily the direction wasn't your orientation. Going. Right. But I think yeah. if anybody was to Google for homeschooling groups in New Jersey, they would probably come up with a mix of different things. Sure. But I think Look, by, guys, by its very nature, it's, it's a, uh, uh, it tends to be a small group network. That's its strength mm -hmm. and, uh, and one of the problems that you can't find one overall website. Well, I want to. You guys have been wonderful guests, and I and I think you represent, from my way of thinking, the best of what's out there in terms of homeschooling. Because you know, you're both passionate, you're warm. Uh, you know, like I could see. You know, in the interactions I've had with both of you, you know, you bring all the the qualities that you would want in, in an educator as well as a homeschooler. So I think it must have been a great experience for young Jack. Um, and and the other kids that you're working with now, so that 
it's great. I, I hope people can contact you. And um, thanks for being on being on the show. Um, yeah, thank you for the opportunity to. Yeah, it's my pleasure. So, folks, I want to uh, thank you for listening, and you can again visit my website, which is. Um, shutdownlearner.com I'm also at the Cooper Learning Center which is cooperlearningcenter.com and if you could visit thecoffeeclutch.com for um, the whole host of other interviews with with other shows related to to kids and behavioral and mental health issues so guys thank you very much and I look forward to uh, talking with you further Lorna and Phil and take care thank you very much bye take care bye Bye. folks be well Bye. bye Take care. Bye-bye. Bye.